This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome inside the Gen Jag podcast. Jordan DeLugo with UCF Jaguar here with you for a unique Ngakwe holdout edition of the show. Uh, I'm kidding, of course, but we will, of course, have to touch on that subject again. Unfortunately, we've been talking about it for weeks now. Uh, But this episode will serve as our training camp primer for the 2019 season. Training camp begins on Thursday, so we'll have a lot to talk about on that end. Shout out to our sponsors, Bold City Brewery. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And of course, check out their tap room in Riverside on Roselle and the downtown tap room on East Bay Street. All right, Dalton, let's just go ahead and lead off with it. Unique Ngakwe likely to hold out per pro football talk after contract negotiations break down. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts right now, man. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe looks like he's all well, going to be holding out according to multiple sources. Uh, obviously, he's entering the final year of his rookie contract after being um, grossly underpaid just with the rookie wage scale of being a third-round pick. And, I mean, him holding out, I mean, hopefully we got a new deal on Horizon coming up soon just because he's the exact guy that you want to resign. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I were – I'm I'm on the team – keep Jalen Ramsey and Yannick Ngakwe at all costs, you know, I would cut anybody and everybody, you know, as long as it's not Nick Foles to really keep a guy like Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, you make room on the team, you know, with the, with the budget to be able to keep this guy on. And um, I would expect a new contract to be coming up for him. Uh, I wouldn't expect to going to leave him high and dry and let him walk in next year after 2020, after 2019 season. But um it's definitely, definitely not something you want to see. Yeah, man, it's frustrating. This is one of those things where it's like, because Jaguars. Yeah. Um, another in a long list of puzzling, you know, seemingly personnel decisions. Obviously, the Jaguars want to keep Unique Ngakwe, but how badly do they want to keep Unique Ngakwe? At this point, it doesn't seem like it's bad enough. And uh, obviously, fans... Most of the media, everybody I hear from, they're pretty much on the side of Unique Ngakwe, and I can't blame anybody there. This is a guy who does everything right on the field, does everything right off the field, and he sees guys like Alan Hearns, 
go get paid by the Jaguars early on in his contract. Brandon Linder got renewed early. And then Blake Bortles gets renewed. Yet the Jaguars can't find a way to come to common ground on these contract negotiations with Unique Ngakwe and his agent Ari Nissum. And it's just it's baffling. And it's funny you mentioned Blake Bortles. The Jaguars are paying Blake Bortles more in 2019 than they're paying Yannick Ngakwe at the moment. So, I mean, the Jaguars, they, they go out here and they sign all these players from all these different teams. You know, they bring in these gross contracts to guys like Julius Thomas, uh, to guys like Malik Jackson, Deshaun. I mean, we've thrown some money at players from other teams, but, I mean, we need to get to the point where we are – now extending our homegrown talent, the guys that we drafted, the guys that have been here for the longest time. And that's that's how you build a successful franchise, man. Just, you know, draft, develop, sign the premier positions, which defensive end is as premier as a position as you can get. And, I mean, we we got to find a way to keep them. Back up the Brinks truck. Um, do whatever you can because Yannick Ngakwe leaving, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine. And, you know, there's another team in the AFC South by the name of the Indianapolis Colts that – are lacking a premier edge rusher and are going to have the most money in the 2020 offseason. And could you imagine Yannick Ngakwe and the Colts? Oh, man. And it would make a lot of sense, too, if they uh, they get rid of Justin Houston up there after one year. He kind of plays on a mercenary deal with them this year, and then they just go get Yannick Ngakwe. Mm. That would be a coup for the Colts, stealing away the Jaguars' best defensive lineman and adding him to, to their roster, man. But uh, Unique Ngakwe, he can be fined by the Jaguars 30 to 40K every day that he's not there. I'm not, I can't remember which, which number it is, but it's either 30 or 40K. And I honestly do expect a resolution to happen by August 5th. That's a date we've talked about a lot on this show and on GenJag.com. Uh, that, that day is it's the final day for Unique to be able to accrue a season so he has to report by that day or he will not be able to become an unrestricted free agent following the 2019 season so either the Jaguars get him a deal by that day or before or he reports in my opinion because I just don't see any circumstance in which Yannick Ngakwe would risk not accruing a fourth season yeah, to become I mean, a free agent next year, an unrestricted free agent, that is. Yeah, and Yannick Ngakwe, the Jaguars aren't going to find him for missing, and the resolution of this is either he comes back August 5th or 6th or whatever it was with a new contract or without a new contract. I mean, he'll be back very, very soon, and uh, I just we, – we've got, we've got to get a deal done with him. He's, he's He was like fourth or fifth um, in the NFL in the last like three, four years when it comes to – um, quarterback pressures. I mean, the guy finds a way to get to the quarterback. He he knows how to wreak havoc. I mean, uh, just with the defensive end rotation uh, with him, Calais Campbell and uh, Josh Allen, what's about to come. We've got we've got a really good group, but I, I just can't stress enough, man. We got we got to find a way to keep Yannick Ngakwe on this roster. No doubt about it. And if I'm Yannick Ngakwe and his agent, I'll tell you one thing: if the Jaguars can't get a deal done before August fifth. And they don't they don't give him a new contract. I'm not coming back next year. I'm not even talking to them after the season's over. Yeah, I mean the, the ball's in the Jags' court, man. And I think hopefully the Jags aren't lowballing him too much. I mean, I don't know what 
kind of offers are being thrown out there, but man, you've got guys like Frank Clark getting you know max deals when Yannick Ngakwe has been far better than um, Frank Clark has been, and uh, I wonder if it'd be a situation where like if the Jaguars know that they're not going to be able to re-sign him and know that he, they're not going to be on a team next year. Um, I wonder if they would at all look into trading him. Yeah, that is something I hadn't thought about. Uh, because, I mean, you can get, I mean, hypothetically speaking, you can get some value for him. I mean, you could imagine a team maybe giving up, uh, you know, if not a first-round pick, definitely, you know, a high second, maybe a couple thirds. But, I mean, the Jaguars, they are – they are right now they're poised and they think that they're going to be able to make a Super Bowl run. So I wouldn't imagine they're going to be trading uh, Yannick Ngakwe away just because he's such a, you know, a big piece of the team. And, you know, if Yannick Ngakwe isn't on the team, then all of a sudden Josh Allen suffers a Dante Fowler Jr. injury like his rookie year, then our defensive line all of a sudden gets a whole lot worse. Yeah, you're right about that. I definitely would be shocked if that that's the route the Jaguars front office goes down in terms of trading unique. And um, hopefully, like we've said a million times on this show, hopefully they will get a deal done soon. A lot of signs have kind of pointed to that happening until today with this Pro Football Talk report. But Man, it's been a frustrating few weeks on in terms of this unique Ngakwe contract situation, and I, I just want it to be resolved uh, as soon as possible. My only question is, how much is too much for Jan and his agent Ari Nissim to ask for? Like, are they trying to make him the highest paid edge rusher in football? Because if you're looking at that, Khalil Mack, his average yearly salary is. Uh, 23500000 Is he looking for that kind of money? $90 million guaranteed like Khalil Mack? I mean, DeMarcus Lawrence got $65 million guaranteed. He's getting $21 million a year. Frank Clark, like you mentioned, he's getting almost $21 million a year. How much is too much for Unique Ngakwe? I, I would pay anywhere in that range that we just mentioned, but... I don't know. Maybe the Jaguars are on a different page there. Uh, I don't know how much he's looking for. I mean, Khalil Mack, uh, you know, I like Enik Ngakwe, but Khalil Mack, I would take him over, over him every, any day. But, I mean, I would think that he's kind of looking into the Marcus Rare, Frank Clark range. Um, I think that's what he'd be kind of looking for. And, I mean, if I were him, that's what I'd be demanding too. I mean, I'd be wanting to make, make over $20 million a year. The guy keeps himself in tremendous shape. He always he's always healthy. The guy has never missed a game. The guy is always um, very productive. I mean, last year seemed like a little bit of a step down, but you also weren't in many passing situations where you know you bring your third down package in and these guys can put their ears back and just you know rush rush in on the passer. So uh, I, I don't know. Like I I think that the contract he's looking for is going to be pretty big, but you know the Jaguars they can make room for. I mean. There's money. There's money there to be able to spend. I mean, next year you can look into some things like getting rid of Norwell, Marcel Darius, uh, potentially AJ Boye. There's different players that you can cut to make room for Yannick Ngakwe. And Yannick Ngakwe, I think, is a franchise player, and um, you just you you don't get rid of a guy like this. 
Yeah, it's time for Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell to get it done. If y'all are listening to this show, please, just for the love of God, get this man a contract. Get him his bag and move on. You'll be much better for it. Speaking of moving on, that's exactly what we're going to do right now. Uh, Moving on to Zedrick Woods, Jaguars undrafted free agent safety. Ran a 4-2-9-40 at the combine, kind of caught everybody's eyes out of Ole Miss. And on Monday, he filed his retirement papers to the NFL League office due to turf toe. There's got to be more to that story. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if you're is now that he's on the uh, IR slash retired list or whatever, is he going to be getting paid for 2019? No, I do not believe he'll get paid. Uh, at, you know, retire as being a retired player. And his contract wasn't guaranteed anyways, in, in my understanding, obviously, as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, so uh, we'll probably be seeing him uh, Ubering around Jacksonville, maybe working at a local car dealership selling cars. So uh, it's interesting. I've never, I've literally never heard of this before, a player just up and retiring like after an injury like that, a guy that's an undrafted rookie. But uh, it must be in a situation where, you know, Florida's hot. Maybe he doesn't really love the game because, I mean, to play, to play in the NFL – um, like unless you're supremely gifted, then you you have to love the game. I mean, I remember you know one of the Jaguars' best uh, pass defensive end pass rushers, Tony Brackens. I mean, that guy he was an he was an absolute freak. But apparently, everyone was saying that like he didn't absolutely love the game, and that was what was really taking him from you know taking it to the le- next level. But um, this guy, obviously, he's a undrafted player, so. Um, He's not necessarily elite, and if he doesn't absolutely love the game, and you know, training camp is a very tough period where you know you're going to be fighting your ass off to uh, to stay on the roster and really make either the 53 or um, a practice squad anywhere. And it's just it's it's tough, man. The competition is crazy, and I, I couldn't imagine going through uh, what these guys go through. Yeah, and if you're not totally in love with the game and you're an undrafted free agent and you're dealing with an injury that you feel like it's going to make you not be able to compete at the level you want to, as an undrafted free agent, I mean, if you're not able to make an impact in year one, you could get lost in the shuffle and just be done. However, this is a guy that ran a 429. I think he'd be on some teams' radars, but still, I mean, you got to feel for for his situation, obviously not ideal. Yeah. Maybe we'll be seeing him in the XFL coming up soon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The XFL is going to have a shot to try to compete with the NFL again. Obviously that'll be a different situation than one you had with the recently. The AAF. uh, Yeah. AAF, the recently defunct AAF. uh, Cause the AAF was looking to try to be like a feeder league. Whereas the XFL just, I believe they're just trying to be a standalone league and and do everything that they can to compete with the NFL. Yes, I mean we'll see. I mean I love the AAF. I had an Orlando team had season tickets, seven and one. They canceled the league, but this isn't the time for me to rant about that. Take aim, right? Take aim, baby. <laughs> Actually, Steve Spurrier tweeted out a picture of I guess they got national champion rings made for the AAF Apollos. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw Steve Spurrier post post that out there. I wonder because I didn't see any other players posted and you know you already know if he actually got rings that's coming out of Steve Spurrier's pocket, but 
I mean, yeah. Steve Spurrier has always said that it's all about championships and you take championships to your grave. So you already know how pissed off he must have been when the AAF discontinued when they were literally the first team to you know clinch a playoff spot. Yeah, absolutely. And now getting back to Zedrick Woods, uh, his retirement kind of brings back into the forefront of my mind the Jaguars' lack of depth at safety. I feel a lot more comfortable with Jared Wilson and Ronnie Harrison as starters than a lot of people probably do. Obviously, most people are confident in Ronnie Harrison, but some people are skeptical about Wilson after being a backup most of his time in Jacksonville so far. And then behind those two guys, you got Cody Davis, who's a career special teamer, does have experience in starting lineups with the Rams, but not too much inspiration there. And then C.J. Revis, he's a second-year undrafted free agent. The coaching staff likes him a lot, but again, not too much confidence inspired there. And then behind those two guys, you've got two undrafted free agents from this year, and Andrew Wingard and Joshua Moon, and that's all you got. So uh, losing Woods, I don't think, changes the safety depth all that much. He probably wasn't going to make the team anyways. But it kind of just puts the safety depth back in the forefront of my mind. And with guys like Trey Boston and Eric Berry out on the free agent market, several more veteran free agents beyond those two guys. But those are the two names that are most interesting to me. With those guys out there, I wonder if the Jaguars are going to look at any time to kind of bolster their safety position. Well, I mean, they're going to have time to. They're going to have plenty of training camp time. They're going to have the preseason, obviously, see what they've they've got in store. But, I mean, you you look at the team, and you can't be perfect. Uh, Last couple of years, I mean, it's been super ideal where we had a couple of veterans that we paid a good amount of money to to be back there uh, playing safeties for us. But... Jared Wilson, he's done pretty good when he's his number has been called upon, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Ronnie Harrison, who was obviously a big time value pick last year, getting him in the third round. But I, I'm I'm definitely I, I feel good about this at least the starting safeties. Of course, there might be a little bit of depth issues, but like you said, if there's any kind of injuries or if if they don't feel like they're good enough at that spot, I mean they can always. Um, they can always shuffle out some money to get some of these veterans in there. I mean, it's pretty good uh, when it comes to actually veteran free agents that are available at any position. Safeties are probably the best that's out there. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what we got. I mean, uh, I, I always liked Jared Wilson, and this it seems like the last couple of years, whenever we've had defensive backs had to go in there and play a little bit, whether it be like um, Quentin Meeks or uh, Tyler Patman, even Jared Wilson, uh, they've all done pretty well. So, I mean, we got a good defensive back group and good coaching back there. So, uh, I definitely look forward to seeing seeing these guys and having, you know, a little bit cheaper of an option as opposed to paying uh, paying free agents like Tashawn Gibson and Barry Church at the safety position, which isn't a super premium position. Yeah, and I think it it's easy to look good when you're surrounded by Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, and D.J. Hayden. Yeah, it really is. So, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about the safeties starting wise, but certainly if if injuries kind of hit that position, you could be looking at potential free agent signings. But of course, most positions are like that in the NFL. Uh, on most teams, you're not going to be perfect in terms of depth. That's just the way it is with the competitive nature of the league. 
And uh, speaking, though, of the whole Zedrick Woods situation, uh, the roster spot vacated by Woods. The Jaguars used that to pick up Lyndon Johnson, who was an underactive free agent with the team last year. He got cut earlier this offseason for the team to make room for uh, Terrell Pryor, excuse me. And um, he's a guy that appeared in three games last year. He only got into the uh, active lineup in December. Prior to that, he was on the practice squad. I think at best he's a practice squad hopeful again. He's not really got a shot to make the roster with how much depth there is on the Jaguars D-line. Yeah, and plus also with the Jaguars on a seventh-round pick at Dontavious Russell, I think that kind of gives Dontavious Russell a slight edge if they are to be kind of tied when it comes to uh, free agent or when it comes to what happens this training camp and preseason. So he's definitely got a way outside shot at making the roster, but um, bringing a familiar face, they kind of know what they got in him. I may, I maybe would have liked to, for them to bring in a new face just to see kind of what they have in him, but. Obviously, maybe he's got some good work ethic or else they wouldn't bring this guy back in. Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely liked him. He definitely flashed sometimes uh, or throughout training camp last year. So nothing wrong with it. Glad to see him back. Glad to see him getting another shot at it. Now, uh, Alan Hurts, former Jaguars, you know, kind of cult legend. He was an undrafted pick or undrafted uh, rookie back in the day, 2015 or 2014. I can't remember which year it was. I think it was 2014. 2014. Yeah, he he did really well his first few years in Jacksonville, really kind of cut his teeth in Jacks, left a couple years ago, went over to Dallas, um, and he was no longer worth his $6.25 million salary over in Dallas after the Cowboys have gotten players like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So the Cowboys cut him today, and apparently he's completely healed after his just gruesome ankle injury in last year's playoffs. Uh, But any interest on your end? Do the Jaguars need to add more depth at wide receiver? I mean, it's definitely interesting, but last year he did not have a very good year at all. I mean, he was healthy most of the season, but he only accumulated – um 295 yards on 20 receptions so it's not it wasn't it wasn't a very stellar year but it'd be interesting I mean of course the Jaguars they have kind of a questionable wide receiver group I don't know if I would bring them in just because I kind of like yeah I want to I want to see what we have in the group right now because I like I like Terrell or I'd rather see kind of what Terrell Pryor has um I'd be interested to see the whole DJ Chark stuff but also, I mean, you wonder just because they did um, just wave a guy like Dredrick Snelson, who I was actually very interested in. I thought that um, with with all the height that we have when and and the guys that feel like they're outside guys, I didn't feel like we really had much at the slot really behind behind D.D. Westbrook. So uh, maybe Alan Hearns can come in and fill the slot role a little bit. But, I mean, it is a new system for him, so it's not like he's coming back and um, he's going to pick up where he left off for the Jaguars. But um, I wouldn't be mad about re-signing him, but I wouldn't necessarily make this a huge priority for us. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I was going to say. I won't be mad if the Jaguars re-sign him or bring him back in, but I don't think it's necessary at this point. Like, yeah, the Jaguars don't have a true number one wide receiver right now. There's no Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins on this roster, but 
in terms of depth, I like the group. And I, I think that there is enough depth to compete at the slot position. Chris Conley played half his snaps at slot last year, so I think he can definitely get it done there too. Yeah, so I mean, without with Alan Hearns, I mean, I've of course always liked the person. I love the story back in the day. He had a thousand yards for us um, a couple years back. You know, he's definitely not a one. He's more of like a you know number two, number three receiver. But um, I mean, we'll 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 see if the Jaguars decide to take him on. Obviously, Dave Caldwell uh, knows all about him just because he's uh, kind of seen this whole entire career. He's the guy that brought him in. Um, through under at the free agency, but one thing that you would get, you get a hard worker. I think my favorite memory of him was against the Chargers, where the dude literally crawled off the field after um, I think hurting his ankle, and I mean that propelled us later on right into the playoffs, where Week 17 against the Titans, while it mattered, while the game mattered to the Titans, it didn't really mean anything for us, and uh, that even that ultimately helped us win the AFC South in 2017. Yeah, it did. Uh, no doubt about it. Now, I'd like to remind everyone to make sure to follow UCF Jaguar or Dalton on Twitter at UCF underscore Jaguar and follow myself at Jordan DeLugo. Of course, you can follow the show at Generation Jag on Twitter. Now, before we get into our training camp, uh, training camp primer here, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Forbes uh team values list that came out the top 50 most valuable sports franchises in the world the jaguars came in at number 49 with being valued at 2.08 billion dollars what are your thoughts there dalton i think it's absolutely outstanding i mean shad khan i think when he bought the team it was like 400 million or something like that it wasn't no so um he paid seven hundred seventy million. Okay, and the team was valued, uh, I believe, at seven twenty five million. So it's nearly tripled in his time as the owner. Yeah, I mean it's it's outstanding. And one thing about Jags fans, I mean, we can debate whether or not Doug Brown is a good head coach, uh, whether or not whether or not Tom Coughlin should stay, whether or not Nick Foles will be the answer. But one thing that I will not debate on anybody about is whether or not Shad Khan is a good owner. Uh, people say like, oh, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he's coming to the circumstance where maybe he kept Gus Bradley a little too long. I mean, maybe he shouldn't have hired Tom Cloth or whatever. But, I mean, when it comes to the business side of the Jaguars, he's done everything right. I mean, every year he's doing new crazy things to not only the stadium with, you know, revamping the locker room, putting in vid- big old video boards, uh, changing the layouts where we got kind of a party deck, the, the club section, but also the city of Jacksonville himself. I mean, he's he's out here trying to really develop the shipyards, um, doing new things to what, Lot E, I think it is. and Lot J. Lot J, yeah. And then just all the crazy things that he's done for Jacksonville, investing his own money into it. And it's always funny when you have people saying that the Jags are going to be moving to London because all those guys are slaying the fact that how much money he's actually put into the team. And, I mean, he's getting return out of it. I mean, he's, you know, tripled the value of this franchise in his time that he's been here. So, Shad Khan, I think he's an excellent owner. He has a lot more money. Wayne Weaver got the team for us, but... He doesn't have as nearly as much money as Shad Khan has been able to put down on this team, and I think I think he's an absolutely fantastic owner, and uh, he's really just a Jacksonville hero. 
Yeah, I, I'm 100% in on Shad Khan, too. Of course, you'd like to see more winning. Perhaps he did keep Gus Bradley around too long. Perhaps he's kept Dave Caldwell around too long. But I think that the results are soon to come in Jacksonville in terms of winning on the field. Obviously, they've had the one sterling season, 2017, making it to the AFC Championship since Shad Khan became the owner. But uh, what he has been able to do in the second smallest market in professional football is really amazing. I mean, they're ranked 25th in terms of NFL teams and in, in, uh, in value by Forbes, which is just, it's really impressive. I mean, they're in front of the Cleveland Browns. Um, they're in front of... I think the Bills. The Buccaneers, the Bills, the Titans, the Bengals. So what they've been able to do is really awesome, and just props to Shad Khan. He's the man. Yeah, I mean, doing this in such a small market, and I mean, he had the chance. He almost actually bought the St. Louis Rams back in the day, and you wonder if he would have bought the team where they would have been or if they would have committed to the city of St. Louis and uh, developed more around them. But, I mean, Jacksonville's a, just a football town, and Taking the Jaguars away from Jacksonville would just be absolutely crushing. I mean, you've had teams get lost, like, you know, the Seattle Supersonics, Supersonics leave Seattle, but, you know, they still have the Seattle Seahawks. And you've had uh, different teams like, you know, the Los Angeles or the St. Louis Rams a couple of years ago, but they still have the Cardinals. They have the St. Louis Blues. If the Jaguars let Jacksonville we have nothing, and it, it'd be something that... Hey, man, we got the Jumbo Shrimp. The Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> Armada. We got UNF basketball, baby. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if we were if we were to lose Jacksonville, man, or if we were to lose the Jags, I would be absolutely devastated, and it'd be literally like losing a close family member to me. Oh, yeah, it would be... Let's not even go down that road right now. Let's move on. This is a happy <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be anyway. It's it's, it, it's it's late July, man. We're, we we can only be sad during the season that the Jaguars are losing. But right now, this is optimistic. We are happy about the Jaguars season about to start up. Training camp's here. Preseason's about to be here. And um, we are less than two months away from Jaguars regular season football. So get ready. Hell yeah. I like it. like the positivity. Uh, like to let everybody know they can check out jinjag.com to get geared up for the season. We've got lots of new merch coming out pretty much on a weekly basis. And you can become a member of our fan group as well for sponsor- sponsored tailgates uh, where we have free food and beverage. So, again, check that out at jinjag.com. All right, Dalton, let's get into training camp. Training camp is here, baby. The most exciting thing about training camp to me is that we're just that much closer to the season. I mean, the NFL, they do a really good job of really packing the really the whole entire year with events. You know, you have the regular season then up until February with the Super Bowl. March, there's free agency. Late April, there's a draft. Then, you know, May, you're kind of going into OTAs. But then, man, June, July, it just gets dead. And you just see all kinds of crazy lists going around. But we are here, man. Training camp is starting just uh just what Thursday so a day or two from now and we're full speed ahead i mean the tra- training camp it's it's an opportunity where it's not like OTAs anymore i mean these guys are going to be working their ass off and in OTAs you're out there 
try not to lose a job. In training camp, you're out there trying to win a job. And uh, the Jaguars have a lot of exciting things coming in training camp. Of course, we have our new shiny toy and our quarterback, Nick Foles, um, after kind of sticking with Blake Bortles since 2014. And just a couple years before then, we were kind of going through Chad Henney and Blaine Gabbert. So we've got an awesome new quarterback. Uh, the wide receiver group, you know, there's a lot going on there with, you know, is somebody going to emerge as a real big playmaker in there. The offensive line is back and healthy for the most part. Um, and of course we still have the elite defense, uh, back in place. So, um, a lot of different storylines, but you know, what's, what's your favorite going into training camp? Well, I won't say this is my favorite, but it is something that needs to be monitored. And if you're looking at the biggest storylines to follow, just the injury recovery in terms of the guys that are coming off of injuries. You have Cam Robinson, Marquise Lee, and Ryquel Armstead, who are all on the active PUP list, physically unable to perform list. So none of them are going to be ready to practice at the start of training camp, but they will be eligible to return to practice as soon as they're medically cleared. So it's not like they have to sit out any sort of time like they're on injured reserve or something like that. They can come back whenever they're medically cleared. And uh, Cam Robinson, he's dealing with his knee injury recovery. Of course, he tore his ACL in week two of last season, and the Jaguars went over the Patriots. Marquise Lee, he sustained a devastating knee injury in the third week of the preseason last year. He's still not quite ready, although... Keenan McCardell earlier this summer seemed to surmise that he thinks Marquise Lee will be returning to practice a couple weeks into training camp. So that would be a, a nice positive there. And Raquel Armstead, he tre- tweaked his hamstring earlier this spring during OTAs. He was forced to miss minicamp. And I guess that hamstring is still lingering, unfortunately. That's not what you want to see. And that really... That really uh, puts even bigger emphasis on Leonard Fournette being able to stay healthy because you don't you don't want to have to rely on Alfred Blue really to carry the load this year if you're the Jaguars, in my opinion. And then getting into the non-football injury list, it's pretty short. You've got Jake Ryan, who he's still dealing with a knee injury that he s- sustained last summer before the uh, before the 2018 season when he was over in Green Bay. And then offensive lineman Danell Green, I'm not sure what his injury is, but both of those guys are on the active non-football injury list. Both of those guys will be able to return upon being medically cleared. So it looks like all those injuries are headed in the right direction. Hopefully Raquel Armstead can get that hamstring back and ready to go. Yeah, and I think the player that I'm going to be monitoring closely and the guy who I want to come back to quickest is definitely Cam Robinson because I thought really his rookie year, I thought he was a little bit overrated. Um, I thought a lot of people thought he was better than he really was. Um, I thought he struggled with some things, especially in pass protection. Um, But you also, you know, he came into the 2018 training camp a little bit out of shape. Um, He didn't have a very good preseason at all. Then all of a sudden, week two, he tears his ACL. So, um I want to see him come back. I want to see him get back into the swing of football. Um, I want to see him become a good starting left tackle because, I mean, if he's not the answer at left tackle, then we have an issue. You know what I mean? And left tackle is a valuable position, especially when we have a 
right-handed quarterback back there with Nick Foles. And, you know, we don't have much depth behind Nick Foles. So, I mean, we're going to rise and fall with Nick Foles. So we got to get the blindside protection good. And um, I think I think Cam Robinson, I think he needs to come back and uh, really just have a better have a better training camp and preseason than he did in 2018. Yeah, and it's hard to even predict that that'll happen because you don't know when he's going to return from the knee re- the knee surgery recovery. You don't know when he'll be fully recovered and ready to go. And he's not going to be able to – he doesn't have this whole summer to get his body right, to get his body into football shape. Instead, he's just trying to recover from an injury. So it really puts him behind the eight ball, and it could put him in line for – a tough start to the season. Yeah, I mean, we're 47 days away from the first game against the Chiefs. So, I mean, time is ticking. And, I mean, we need him to get back as quickly as possible. I'm not as worried with a guy like Raquel Armstead just because, you know, running back, I think it's a lot of instinctual stuff. You know, I think a lot of the stuff that you're doing in training camp, they're literally just kind of hand the ball off and they're running straight. So, I don't think it's as, as important with that. You know, let the hamstring heal. Let him come back. Um, Marquise Lee has been doing the game for a while, and, you know, he's not someone that's, you know, as an as an offensive lineman, I mean, if you tear your ACL, I mean, your knees, you need your knees, man. You're constantly bending. You're constantly pushing. So, you know, I'd expect Marquise Lee to be able to ease back into it just fine. But, I mean, I definitely, I definitely worry about Cam Robinson. That's, that's, for, that's for damn sure. I do too, and when you look at what the Jaguars are going to be deploying to start training camp at left tackle, it's probably going to be Cedric Abwehi or Josh Wells uh, running with the ones out there. Neither of those really inspires a lot of confidence to me. Of course, the Jaguars have talked highly of Abwehi since they they brought him over from Cincinnati this offseason and free agency, but... He's a guy that Bengals fans were very excited to get rid of. So I'm not sold on him. Of course, we'll be able to see a lot more of him and probably Josh Wells a lot more than we really want to in the coming days in training camp. But it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, Of course, we'd be fools not to say this, but injury avoidance too, of course, is a huge training camp storyline for every team around the league. Just avoiding major injuries during training camp is – I don't want to say half the battle, but honestly, if you lose one of your guys, I'm not even going to say any names talking about them because I don't want to jinx it or anything like that. But if you lose one of your big guys, one of your most important guys during training camp, it can really set you back for the entire season. Yeah, I mean, we've already kind of seen that occur with the Atlanta Falcons. They already lost um, one of their one of their safeties due to, um, I think, like an ACL tear. So, I mean, they they. They come and, you know, we're going to see all throughout training camp, different guys all around the NFL um, suffering season ending injuries. And we just got to hope to stay clear of that. But I think I think really this training camp, I think my the most exciting storyline is just going to be the aerial attack when it comes to all of our position groups. Obviously, we have Nick Foles as our new shining starting quarterback um, after he had a couple of great years out in Philadelphia, helping them go win a Super Bowl and even coming out with a playoff win in 2018. And just the backup quarterback, Gardner Minshew, obviously all the Jaguar fans love him right now just from both what he did at Washington State and just the guy's crazy mustache and jorts and just his just his interesting antics at 
at Washington State, kind of like a poor man's Baker Mayfield. But you also had the receiving group with uh, we got a new wide receiver in from Kansas City, Chris Conley, who was a lot of people were speaking highly of um, at Jaguars OTAs and minicamp. D.D. Westbrook is coming back off of a pretty good year in 2018. D.J. Chark, second year, second round pick. You know, he's got all the physical tools uh, to be a great receiver. He's just got to kind of be able to put it all together. And another thing is just the tight ends. I mean, the Jaguars have been really just in the whole entire franchise's history, just lacking a real playmaking receiving threat at the tight end position. And we brought in Jeff Swain from the Dallas Cowboys and, the most interesting player is the guy that we got in the third round, the tight end from San Jose State, and that is Josh Oliver. The guy's got the build to be a, a great tight end. Um, he's going to have to get, you know, go through the learning curves of the NFL after he played football at a pretty, you know, low collegiate level. But I mean, really, just this aerial attack is what I'm going to be looking at the most during the training camp and preseason. Yeah, I think all that's really exciting, too. I'm totally with you. And I, I'm excited to see if Terrell Pryor can establish himself as a red zone threat, along with Josh Oliver as well. And Josh Oliver, they're kind of really throwing the book at him. He's having to line up on the line of scrimmage, in the slot, in the backfield. If he's able to really take charge and take control of ownership of this playbook, I think the sky's the limit for him. Of course, it's easier said than done. And John Filippo did say that uh, that Oliver struggled a little bit with some of the alignments. But again, he's learning the most complicated tight end position that the Jaguars have. And again, lining up in the slot, on the line of scrimmage, and in the backfield, it's a lot to take in. But he's an exciting young player. And one thing I am, I hate to say it, but it's true. With Unique Ngakwe not showing up for the start of camp, we're going to get to see a whole lot of Josh Allen. And I think uh, that's a good thing for Josh Allen. I think working against ones and working against some of the better offensive linemen the team has to offer will will help him out. And I think working with Calais Campbell on a more regular basis, uh, actually playing next to him or playing next to Marcel Darius, I think that's really going to help him out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, we go and look at the offense and, um, you know, we kind of write out the defense. We go, okay, the defense is good, but what do we have to look at on the offense, quarterback and all this stuff? But, you know, we got that We got that uh, Josh Allen with number seven pick who is just loaded with potential. He's got he's got so much potential, man. Just his speed off the line of scrimmage, his, just the bend around the edge, the things that he can do at uh, 260 pounds and just how powerful he is. I mean, it's... You know, I mean, he's he's a defensive rookie of the year candidate already. I mean, especially with this defense where, you know, it's a lot different of a situation than what Dante Fowler Jr. was brought into. When Dante Fowler Jr. was brought in, you know, he had guys like Chris Cle- Chris Clemens and Jared Audrick around him. You know, he was automatically pretty much the best edge rusher on the team. But now uh, with Josh Allen, I mean, you've got – he's going to have to try to catch up to guys like Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe. So uh, he comes in, he's automatically not the best defensive end on the team, which is great. You know, it's going to take some, uh, you know, take some eyes off him when he's on the field. And, you know, just the third down package is going to be awesome this year. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see some Josh Allen, uh, some Josh Allen in the preseason. And we'll see, 
Uh, we'll see what kind of packages they set up for him because I don't know if he's going to be dropped back at coverage at all, which is something they did a lot of Kentucky. I would expect him to be more of a, you know, hand in the dirt, rush the passer, um, you know, stop the run because that's what the Jaguars mostly do um, in the 4-3 scheme. But, yeah, they have all kinds of options and versatility to be able to use to be able to use Josh Allen in however way they want to. And I, I'm I'm just so excited for it. I am too. Uh, also excited to see Quincy Williams, you know, the much maligned third-round pick that no one knew who he was coming out of Murray State. But he's Quentin Williams' brother. He's got football in his DNA. And when you watch the guy fly around, you can only think that he's going to be able to make a lot of big plays if he can just grasp the playbook and be able to play instinctually instead of having to think uh if he can master his position early on in terms of what his responsibilities are his physical tools are are off the charts for the weak side linebacker position yeah i mean the whole entire linebacker group besides the middle linebacker i mean all the spots are up in air you know i'm saying with telling smith uh announcing that he's going to sit out the 2019 season I mean you have an opening at weak side linebacker which many expect Quincy Williams to be on the fill in that spot and then you have an opening at strong side linebacker which uh you know probably the um the Leon Jacobs is probably going to be the favorite to win that spot but I mean the linebacker spot I mean it's it's very open with the many veterans that we brought in with in the offseason like Jake Ryan and uh you know DJ Alexander so there's some there's some potential there that there's going to be legit battles at the linebacker spot. Yeah, because guys like DJ Alexander and some of the other vets they brought in, Rameek Wilson and a couple of the other guys, those guys are going to be competing for their jobs, the veterans, and they're going to be competing against younger players. So that will be exciting. I agree with you there. Yeah, so, and I mean, course- uh, yeah, I was about to Go say ahead. just something. I mean, other than that, man, we got um, – I'll be – we kind of touched on it earlier, but really the safety positions. I mean, I'm really excited to see Ronnie Harrison. I feel like we were teased by him a little bit in 2018. Then once they got Barry Church out of there, the guy basically got put himself on the IR right right when it started. And um, I'm I'm just I'm really excited to see what Ronnie Harrison has going into year two. And he he seems like a guy that uh, I think I think he has a whole lot of upside. And I think that his mindset is right. You can tell this is a guy that loves football. He loves. Uh, the physical part of the game, and I, I'm, I'm excited for Ronnie Harrison. I am too, no doubt about it. The last thing I'll say is I know we talked about Nick Foles in the passing game. I really want to see it just look like a competent passing game this year. There's practices in the past where Bortles looked okay, where they looked like somewhat like a real passing offense, but then there's other practices where it just is – as ugly as it can possibly get in terms of the passing game. I want to see more consistency from practice to practice from the passing game. I know they're not going to be perfect, and I know they're going against Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye and D.J. Hayden and all those guys. I know it's not going to be easy during practice, but I just want it to look like a real NFL passing game more often than not. Yeah, I'm 100% 100 with you. It feels like the last couple years – um, I was just out here making a bunch of excuses for the offense. Oh, it's just preseason. Oh, it's just training camp. It doesn't really matter. Like, you know, they're just trying things and, you know, they're doing this in front of people so they can't really open a playbook. You know, I want to see, I want to see, you know, nice, you know, deep ball passes. I want to see nice uh, back shoulder throws. I, I want to see 
I, I just want to see the offense look legit, and I, I want to see the ball get there quick. I, I, I want to see. I just want to see this passing offense firing on all cylinders, and um, it's not something that we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing a good run game. We're used to seeing good defense, but uh, the besides garbage time, Blake Bortles in 2015, we, we just haven't seen much uh, much real fire when it comes to the Jaguars' passing attack. Um, really, just in the last decade. Yeah, and my thing is not that I expect this passing attack to come light the world on fire in 2019, but I think in order to set a good foundation, they really need to be able to come together quickly in training camp to be able to get ready and have a good foundation for the 2019 campaign. Of course, the Jaguars still want to run the ball and run the ball a lot, but the passing game needs to be able to kind of put some teams on notice early on in the season so that the team can continue to be balanced throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to be in a situation where week one we're playing the Chiefs and instead of just pounding the ball to open up the pass game, I would love just a pass game to finally be able to open up for the run game. I mean, you know, we've seen Leonard Fournette run into so many eight-man boxes where uh, just the pass game has just been so bad with uh, – bad quarterback play with not many great playmakers at wide receiver. You know, I just want to see, I want to see the Jaguars passing attack, just be able to carry the offense for once. Yeah. Because I mean, no you, because you pass, you pass to get leads, then you run to secure, to secure wins. So uh, we've got it. We've got to be able to instill that. Yeah. It'd be a beautiful thing for the Jaguars to actually somewhat look like a, a 2019 NFL offense instead of what they've looked like in the past. But, of course, running the ball is still going to be the bread and butter when it comes down to it. But like you said, this is a team that needs to be able to do both things, and Nick Foles has to be on top of it, and the receivers have to just be able to haul the passes in. I mean, Foles delivers a great ball a lot better than Blake Bortles, so it should be easier to catch. But Chris Conley has had some drop issues in his career. So has Terrell Pryor. So has Keelan Cole. Uh, D.D. Westbrook hasn't really dealt with that. And D.J. Chark still too early to tell. But it would it would really be frustrating this year if Nick Foles comes out and is on the money, but the Jaguars lead the league in drops again. Yeah, I mean, the the spiraling ball should help out a lot with that just because I, I can't imagine trying to catch a, you know, a wobbly football at the NFL level when – you know, everything's just so built on timing and you know that there's a, you know, a defensive back coming from behind about to nail you. So uh, the just the just one thing that we know, I mean, we, we're not expecting Nick Foles to be this great elite player, but we just we just want some consistency. We just want uh, to be able to make the easy throws look easy. And I mean, just some kind of some kind of decent passing game. That's 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 all we want. Yeah. The expectations are not too high for the passing game in Duval, certainly. Uh, that's going to do it for me. Do you have any other last things you want to touch on in our training camp primer here? Um, I don't have much, man. The season the season is here, guys. So expect you know a lot of a lot of stories up on ginjag.com. Uh, we're going to keep on podcasting. I'll keep making videos. I'll be making a lot more videos, you know, in the future than I have in the last few weeks. Just you know with actual things to talk about actual uh news coming out as opposed to coming out with these different lists so um get ready guys we are we are in football mode no doubt about it now if you're enjoying the show please subscribe on itunes soundcloud stitcher or spotify whichever platform 
you prefer. And if there's another platform that we're not on that you'd like us to get on, just let us know. You're going to hit us up on Twitter at Generation Jag, or you can reach out to Dalton at UCF underscore Jaguar on Twitter or myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And, uh, of course, thanks to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the show. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com. Again, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And you can visit their downtown location on East Bay Street. I'll be heading over there tomorrow, have a little fun, uh, meet up with my guy Kevin, and talk some talk some potential Bold City Brewery and Gin Jag collab on a certain uh, certain beverage that might be coming out later this year, which uh-huh. is pretty exciting. So, But they've always got funky stuff going on at the East Bay Street location downtown. They're always coming out with small batch brews. And, of course, you can visit their original tap room in, in Riverside on Roselle. And I would like to remind everyone, as I told everyone last week, 8103 Clothing's grand opening in Springfield is this Saturday. At 6 p.m., there will be food trucks, a mural unveiling. We will have a T-shirt collab with 8103. Threat Supply will have a T-shirt collab with 8103. There's going to be live music and a whole whole lot more to do out there. And you can find out more on 8103's social media pages. But we'd, we'd really love to see everybody out there. You can come say hi to us. Um, but, yeah, that's going to do it for the show. Thanks for listening. Again, make sure to follow UCF Jaguar on Twitter, at UCF underscore Jaguar. Subscribe to his channel on YouTube. You can follow me at Jordan DeLugo. You can follow the show at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Generation Jag. Have a great week, Duval, and happy training camp. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.